Well, I'd like to start today just by sharing how much I really love you all and how much uh, I've prayed for you so much and will continue to do so. And uh, what a joy and privilege it's been mine these last 10 years to serve here at Monument Bible as one of your shepherds. I've never taken that privilege lightly. Uh, I've sought God's help for that privilege and that honor. And one of the things I've enjoyed uh, the most is these times. And I'm entering in fully this last time. As even I walked up here is the last time I'll make this walk for, well, hopefully I'll be back sometime down the line to share. <laughs> but uh, a lot of lasts this last week. Uh, so I'm looking forward to this last time the word with you. Before I share uh, I would like to just uh, share some personal things with you for prayer. Some of you have been asking a lot of questions and some of you have been saying, well, how come you're not sharing more with uh, with the church? And so I just want to do that now. If you would like to be a part of our prayer team, we would so much appreciate that. We are desperate for your prayers. We have a list out there in a couple spots. You can sign up your email address and what we're going to try is send out a monthly update at least, if not more. Um, and if you just get snail mail, put your address on there and we'll uh, send out a letter to you every once in a while as well. And if you've missed the breakfast a couple of weeks ago and would like to know more about Kingdom Way Ministries, there's brochures out there that tells a little bit more about that. And if you have questions, we'd love to uh, field those uh, after the service or later this afternoon if you're coming back. Uh, but here's some prayer needs. This Friday, we're closing on our home and then moving. So appreciate your prayers. For that, God was very gracious, if you missed me sharing before, to sell our house in two weeks by ourselves without a realtor. And so we're so grateful for that. Uh, In addition to that, you know, we've seen God so provide for us, not all at once. It's just in steps and stages. And uh, we didn't know where we're going to live or how we're going to get a house. And uh, so God provided through Jim and Margaret, who started Kingdom Way Ministries, they are they've offered to have us stay in their home from July to September rent free. And we see that that's a great, good gift of God to be able to do that so that we can build our foundation in terms of future direction and our fundraising efforts as uh, we're working with churches and trying to get opportunities to share and things of that nature already. So we really appreciate your prayers and all of that. And speaking of that, uh, knowing that it might take some time to do so, uh, I was open to whatever God might have, and, and Alona as well. And uh, Don Lease shared with us that Wellington Community Church was looking for an, an interim pastor, interim pastor. And so we looked into that, and I, I mentioned, I said, I can't do this full-time. I'm leaving a full-time ministry to follow God's call to Kingdom Way, but would you consider 20 hours a week? Well, long story short, we've had two interviews and they want us to come as soon as possible. So we planned a break uh, in early July for about 10 days. And so they they're asked me to come preach next Sunday, right after moving. So we need your prayers for that. And I said, well, that's all right. As long as you don't mind a half awake preacher, we'll, we'll do our best. So that's next Sunday. And then we have some other preaching assignments lined up already. One with a church called Life Point Church in Fort Collins. August 11th and then September 8th. I'm really excited about that because I've gotten to know the pastor just briefly worshiping there when I've been out of town. And uh, this is such a ministry for him, too, which is a 
huge heart for me as I know this is going to be a blessing to him and uh, we've really connected and really appreciate him. So be praying for that. Uh, in October, uh, I'll be speaking uh, in a leadership conference in Wichita, a business uh, leadership conference. And then at the end of October, this is the dates we have planned already, um, we'll be going to Trinidad to uh, share with Pastor Ram Paul. Some of you remember him, that I've done uh, some leadership training with his church and other pastors. We're going to do some of that again, but uh, I'm really excited as the International Chamber of Commerce president is working with Pastor Ram Paul and other uh, pastors in Trinidad to put on a business conference uh, for Christians and I'm no doubt there'll be uh, unsaved people there as well. So we're really excited about that. So be praying for that. And I, and I appreciate one of the things I appreciate so much is you, how you've all embraced Moses and been praying for him. Again, God's opened some great doors. He's going to be staying with uh, the Potter's Wheel Ministry and Tony. And uh, so Tony will keep him busy and uh, get him to all of his appointments uh, for the next three, four weeks. So thank you for ministering to him. Keep reaching out to him and praying for him as he goes back, because he would like to take some of the Ephesians message series that we've been working through and put them on the air three days a week and use them for his 96 churches as a training opportunity and outreach opportunity that will reach a listening audience of two million people. So that's pretty, pretty amazing. We're excited about that. Uh, and then be praying for Tony Weeder and Beth. Some of you know them. They were here to sharing uh, several weeks ago and they feel God's leading to come with Kingdom Way Ministries. So there's a big transition taking place with them, too. And I know they would appreciate Appreciate your prayers. And then somewhere in there, I appreciate your prayers for the discipline and time to, to write a book because I've had a couple thoughts in my mind and feel God's leading to do that. And you never say never because I always said I'm never going to write a book because I hate writing. Uh, but uh, I really believe that God's nudging me in this direction. So thank you for that. And again, uh, don't forget to sign up if you'd like to be on a prayer list. Would you turn to Matthew or Luke rather chapter 5? As we are going to do a little detour from Ephesians 6 that started this series we've been calling Getting Over the Sun. In other words, getting God's perspective on our work life. And we drew the contrast of King Solomon who said there's you know, nothing good under the sun, basically. Life is vain. And he got over the sun in Song of Solomon and saw things from God's perspective, perspective, and it greatly changed his mind and his heart about his work. Well, today we're going to look at the theme, our greatest work ever. Pastor Jake will be picking up in Ephesians 6 next week and finishing out the book. But today we're going to look at our greatest work For several reasons. One of them is because, as we'll see in this passage, a fisherman named Peter is about to experience one of the biggest transitions in his life. Transition from going as a fisherman by vocation to becoming a fisherman of men. And the backdrop begins in verse 1. And by the way, I'm reading from the NIV for two reasons. One... Uh, I got all my Bibles packed up. And number two is, uh, I have been amazed by this story. 
Every time I read it, I learn something new, and I have little notes throughout my devotional Bible that I use. So beginning in verse 1, it says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word. I just love that verse for several reasons. Number one is I love the water. And number two, I have come to appreciate the passages, numerous passages that speak of the crowd of people. It was constantly surrounding our Savior. I've come to appreciate a new way after being in Liberia and seeing with the ladies and kids present there close to 3,000 people and leaning in and listening to the word, hungry for it. And I can just imagine the scene. Jesus trying to find a place to communicate to them without a sound system. So verse 2 says he sees at the water's edge two boats. God is infinite in his knowledge. He realizes just like that, that if he gets out on that boat, he'll get a little space between him, him and the crowd, but also the water be used as a sounding board for this great crowd of people to hear. Well, how do you know it's a great crowd? Well, usually in scriptures, when it says a crowd, it's a pretty significant number. But in addition to that, Lake of Gennesaret, by the way, it's also called the Lake of or Sea of Galilee when you're reading it in scripture. Same thing. But Josephus refers to one of the cities in the region as Magdala. It was probably the largest city in that area and it boasted of 40,000 people. In addition to that, nearby, Capernaum would have been a very populous city. And Jesus and his disciples did some ministry there. So quite, uh, quite possibly there was people from that region who had heard about Jesus and his teaching and assembled to hear as well. Great crowd goes on to say, after he launched out in the boat, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, it's also Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he asked, he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, let's just stop there for a second. When he had finished speaking. And I've often thought about how that some of the greatest lessons that our Savior, our Master has for us, I hope comes from Sunday morning, but it's not always so. It's often in Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, in that 60% of our waking hours we've been talking about, our vocation, whatever that is, where some of the greatest lessons Come, if we are looking for them, if we are open to receiving them from our God and our Savior. Are we learning them? When the sermon is finished speaking, are we still looking? Are we still seeking to learn? Seeking those God appointments. It goes on to say, he turned to Simon. Put out in the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Peter is about to be schooled by the master. And vice versa, Peter is about to school or teach the crowd. 
This time when I was reading, I, I thought about something new. I saw something new by God's illuminating work of his Holy Spirit. I never thought about if the crowd was still there or not. And I looked in between verse and three and four. You don't see any evidence at all that the crowd suddenly disappears like that. It's like Jesus is teaching the crowd and then he turns his gaze and his instruction to the few. To Simon, to James and John. And maybe even lowered his voice so the crowd couldn't hear. But guess what? I believe the crowd was still watching and they were watching intensely. When he says to Peter, throw your net on the other side of the boat. I can imagine the climax and the silence and the crowd just looking at Peter. What's he going to do? He's heard a command from the Savior Will he follow it? Think about that. In your workplace. If you are a Christian and they know you are a Christian, if you've had the guts to let everyone know you're a follower of Christ, they are watching you to see how you are going to obey the commands of the Savior. I remember one friend of mine in Bible college, nonetheless, who worked with me as a security guard in South Kansas City at a mall called Bannister Mall. One time I came back to the dispatcher office and everybody's laughing and cutting up in there. I got a sense immediately what was going on. They were telling off color jokes. And my friend was laughing among all the rest, and even threw some profane words in the mix himself. I was shocked, and I couldn't believe it. But you know what? My supervisor never gave me a hard time. I think he respected me, but he hounded that guy like crazy. And I think it was because he realized he wasn't living up to the commands of the Savior and the Master. They might not agree with you, but oftentimes they'll respect you if you live, walk the talk, so to speak. They're all watching Peter. What is he going to do? Peter didn't blow it, at least too badly. And the reason I say that is because as I read the story... In verse 5, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. What I'm reading and hearing from, from this story is that Peter had enough respect and enough realization that there was a difference between him and the Savior that he needed to obey but I sense that his obedience was a little reluctant. I sense that he's thinking something like, okay, Jesus, man, you were a great carpenter. I've heard about your work. You did an excellent job as a carpenter. And now you've 
transition to this rabbi teacher gig. And you're doing a great job at that. There's no one who can teach like you do with such power and authority with love and grace and mercy. But let us do the fishing. We're the professionals here. We know the right spots, the right depth, the right times and all of that. And we've been at it hard all night and we have... Haven't caught a single fish. But because you say so. We'll do it. And I've thought, you know, this is just like a 10 year old, an 8 year old, a teenager. Questioning their parents authority, doubting a little bit. It's like Peter is cocooned in that teenage body. And I love the King James, New King James says at Thy word, Lord. And you know what? Even when I see the questioning in my kids, the doubting, and they say, yes, Dad. I can live with that. I can live with questions and doubts as long as they surrender their will. And that's what I admire about Peter. Is he surrendered all of his thoughts, all of his will to the Savior's. Because you say so, I'll let down the net. Now let's pause for some other faith, work, life, game-changing lessons here before we move on that we don't want to miss. Some of you remember the show, an old one, albeit. No offense to you who know this show. Father Knows Best. Remember that show? Or you've seen or heard of it at least? When it comes to our work, our Heavenly Father knows what is best. He created work. He's a worker himself. And Jesus, being God in the flesh, knew Peter's job better than he knew it. Even if he had never fished, he would know Peter's job better than him. Think about this. God knows the computer world better than Bill Gates. God knows the financial investment world better than people like Warren Buffett. God knows basketball better than Michael Jordan. And I bet you he could hang his tongue out longer than him if he wanted to. God knows the architectural world better than people like Frank Lloyd Wright. Put your job in the... The blank. God knows your job better than you will ever know it. So with that knowledge, the question comes to my mind. So why is it that oftentimes we may not say it, but we act like Peter is a God, leave my job to me. I can handle this. You go about, you know, winning the world and all that kind of stuff, but leave my job to me instead of going to him and saying, Lord, you created me to work. You know my job better than anyone. I need your wisdom. Would you show me how I can do it better? Would you show me how I can lever it for leverage it for ministry purposes? Would you show me how, when and what and all that stuff? And then go to the word and see how he speaks to you. And then let down the net. People pay big money. Big money for professional consultants. 
who are the experts on different career paths. We can seek God's consultation for free. But you know what? Some people don't do it because when it comes right down to it, sometimes what God asks us to do does not make good business sense from the world's perspective. It doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense to Peter. Cast your net on this side of the boat after you've been fishing all night. But it's a test. Who are you going to obey more? Do you want to experience him on a different level? Sometimes God makes a ridiculous ask of us, at least from our perspective, to see how we're going to respond. I don't think there's ever been a time in our lives, my wife and our family, where we've been asked to do something so seemingly ridiculous. And we can't say we're doing this without a little bit of fear and intrepidation at times and, and doubts, waves of doubts here and there. And we've had some people, just a couple, be a little critical already, and I know that more of that would probably be coming. You've got to hand it to Peter. Everybody's watching. His reputation's on the line, and he obeyed. Let's see what happens. Let's read on. When, verse 6, they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Isn't that awesome? When God blesses obedience, He really does it. Jim Dismore, who founded Kingdom Wave Ministries, has told the story in seminars that he's done before. When he was a president and CEO of a company called Ultimate Support, and he and his team of executive leaders changed their purpose statement to include not only providing excellence in products and customer service and so on, the standard that you might see, but added in ministering to people for the glory of God. He had a saleswoman that worked for him, though not a believer. He greatly respected. She came to him and said, Mr. Dismore, if you do this, we are going to lose business. He said, I understand that's a possibility. And sure enough, her prophecy became true. One of their greatest customers, a million-dollar client, took his business elsewhere solely because his purpose statement, their company had ministry references and references to God's glory in it. His his faith was being tested. But God gave them other customers they didn't have before. And by the time six months was up, guess what happened? That customer came back with all of his previous business and then some more. Because he went elsewhere and couldn't find the excellent service that he was given by ultimate support. Now, God doesn't always reward us in that way. 
God doesn't always fill our boats full to sinking capacity with blessings when we obey obey Him. And yet there is something I guarantee we will always experience. We will experience a greater understanding and a new level of entering in the grander awesomeness of God. Look at 8. Verse 8 through 10, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. Why did Peter respond in this way? Why did he drop to his knees? I believe, for one, He realized how foolish it was to doubt, to question, to be skeptical when the Savior asked something ridiculous. And I believe, secondly, that he came face to face with the almighty, powerful God, all-knowing God in the flesh. And he just had to worship. Have you ever experienced those moments? Aren't they awesome? And don't you want to just sit there and bask in God's glory and just not leave? This was one of those moments. And you know, I believe God wants us as followers to experience more and more of that kind of thing on a daily basis, even in our workplaces, in what many people refer to as the daily grind. Further, I believe that there is this incredible longing and yearning in every one of our hearts for something more. To enter into new portals of our understanding of God and seeing Him work in and through our lives and the lives of those around us. Don't you have that hunger and that thirst in some capacity? Don't you want to be like Peter? To experience this kind of movement in your life. I think we all have that, but there's something that prevents some or maybe even many of us from entering into those Peter portal kind of holes of new understanding. We're not willing to lay down our nets. We're not willing to cast it and surrender the way we think, the way we feel, the way we would will. I want to ask my beloved wife to come up. She has been so gracious to say yes to me asking her to come and share with you today. But I just had to because she's so much more beautiful than me. (laughs) And as I found out uh, on numerous occasions, often more eloquent than me as well. But she'd just like to share with you a little bit of her journey. I love the words that... Jesus says just a little bit later to Peter, don't be afraid. And I can't look at some of you in the eyes, sorry, so I'm just going to kind of look over your heads right now. Um, He said that to me a lot lately, and it's been quite a, a faith journey that the Lord has brought me and us together, not just Stan and I. I have to breathe. Our children also, and many of you along with us. As I've been 
reading through um, the word for my devotional times, the Lord has opened my eyes to having more of an eternal perspective. He's helped me to understand more fully. I know I've got a long way to go, um, just like you, Michael. Um, Helping me to understand that no matter how uncertain or illogical something may seem that he wants me to do, it's okay. It doesn't have to make sense to me. I can't begin to understand the mind of God. I just have to follow. And I can't let fear cause me to ignore what he's telling me to do. Um, a phrase that the Lord keeps bringing back as I read through my journals. Um, I've become a, a journaler, which is quite a, a feat. Um, not for me, the Lord's done it. Um, but no regrets. And that's something that I, I want to be able to look back one day, say, Lord, I did it for you. I don't regret letting fear stop me from following you with everything I've got. And I just want to read a little portion um, from a book that I was using for part of my devotions. Um, First Psalm 91, I guess, is what I'd like to start with, verses 5 through 6, and I'm just going to read it, not even try to quote it. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. And then this is what the author, Bob Safran, has to say about those. And it gripped my heart, and I hope it will encourage you. The wonderful, illogical, unnatural thing the psalmist is saying here is that you will not fear the terror because God has you by the hand, and he will not let go. He smiles at you and says, Walk with me and fear not. How cool to walk the path of danger with the God of the universe at your side and his arm around you. Thank you. So what is your net or nets the Lord wants you to lay down? I couldn't do this without the Lord. I couldn't do this without my wife. Being in my corner and this time around in this big change, she really settled it in her soul first, which is atypical for us. And I remember some of the conversations, struggles for her. It's very difficult when I've gone to Trinidad or somewhere for her to be back with the kids by herself. And so that was one of the things I was wrestling with. How can I do this, Lord? When I'll be traveling a little more. And she looked at me one time and said, Dan, this is not about you. It's not about me. It's about what the Lord wants us to do. She didn't say it then, but she was saying, we've got to let down our nets. Maybe for you, that's time, selfishness, pride, money. Spiritual gifts that you know you have that you haven't laid down for God to use. Maybe it's a relationship that is 
holding you back and dragging you into sin. Maybe that's the net that God wants you to lay down. Maybe it's a stubborn unbelief of not coming to the place to accept Jesus as your Savior so that you can be forgiven of your sins, so you can go to heaven and so you can live for Him now. The experience that Peter had only came when he let down the net, when he obeyed. Not unlike Moses and all the excuses that he offered God. And then finally surrendered and he lays down his rod. And when he picks it back up, what's it called then? The rod of God. That freed an entire nation from their slavery of 400 years. When Peter laid down his net. It became the net of the Savior. And it transitioned him into his greatest work yet. Look what Jesus said to him. Then Jesus said, second part of verse 10 to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Can you hear him saying that's the greatest work ever? So they pulled their boats up on the shore and they left everything and followed him. That was a high cost for Peter, for James and John, especially in a culture where family was paramount and more than likely the sons of Zebedee, as they're called, their father was counting on them to take on the family business. They were leaving a lot behind. But they're embracing their greatest work. Alona said, no regrets. I doubt they ever regretted that decision. Ever. But you know, sometimes God doesn't call us to leave or to lay down everything. For many others, he calls them to leverage everything right where they are. Just like the demon-possessed man healed by Jesus. He wanted to follow him. He wanted to leave everything, but he turned and says, no, share your story. Leverage your story here so others can come to know me. Leaving is not greater than leveraging or vice versa. The question is, are we going to follow? Are we going to be fishers of men? Let's pray together. Father, you are so good. And we love you immensely. Thank you. We can trust you, Lord. And I thank you for these people that have been so good to us. For the privilege of shepherding them, caring for them, loving them, praying for them, crying with them. And Lord, I thank you that you settled the wrestling of my soul, that if you are leading us away, which we know you are, that you will be faithful also, Lord, to... Bring another shepherd in addition to the many we already have and Pastor Jake and Steve, Kevin, other elders and deacons. Thank you for their care. Thank you, Lord, that you have great 
perhaps the greatest things yet to come for Monument Bible Church and each and every one of us here. And I pray that we would lay everything down, whatever that is, or leverage it fully for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We have a very special moment in our worship, uh, or not. That was a little conversation we were having. Um, we do want to acknowledge Joe and Beth headed out um, Tuesday to Slovenia, so please be praying for them. Um, part of what takes place is a sending. And I think one of the things that's really deep on Pastor Dan's heart is that uh, he has an assurance that uh, he's being sent from here to where God is calling him. And uh, in keeping with that, we'd like to have a formal laying on of hands as we ask Alona to come back up again and join him. We ask uh, any deacons or elders, if you'll come now, please, uh, to be laying your hands on him. In addition to deacons and elders, um, uh, I know in your heart there are a number of you sitting there saying, you know, this is on my heart too. And so I invite you to come as well. Um, to come and be a part of this laying on of hands. Any of you that would like to do this, Moses for sure. Um, Steve, if I may, I'd sure like to ask you to be a part of this. Any others? Serious business. You agree? Serious business. I'd like to have you look for a moment, if you would, at the bare back of a servant named Paul. What do you see? His record is that he was receiving 39 lashes three different times. What do you see? When you look at Paul... He also said that he was beaten multiple times. He was also beaten with rods. He was also shipwrecked three nights. He was also stoned. He says that he received persecution from his own countrymen, from those in the countries he visited. Not to mention, he said, the daily labors of fulfilling the working of the church. And then he took a young man that he was teaching <clears throat> named Timothy. And he gave Timothy this charge that I think that if Paul were here today, uh, he'd leave his shirt on so he didn't have to see that. But he'd come and he'd lay hands on Dan and Alona. And he would say something like this. I charge you, therefore. I got so emotional last time I couldn't remember Dan's name. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing. And he is going to appear. And his kingdom, and his kingdom is coming, and we're praying for that. Preach the word. 
Be ready in season and out of season. Be ready. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come, and I'm wondering in our reading at this moment if that time hasn't already arrived. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they'll heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to, the Greek word is muthos. It's translated as fables. Probably not like most of what's on your television. Not unlike much of what we put in front of our children. Not unlike rows and rows of novels. Maybe that time has already come. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. And finally, these three words. Fulfill your ministry. Dan and Lona, we'd like to come alongside uh, an example like Paul, who would love you, I'm sure, as deeply as he did Timothy, and charge you to fulfill your ministry. We lay hands on you as the Word of God has instructed. And by doing this, we acknowledge to the world that you have demonstrated your faithfulness, you have demonstrated your readiness, your willingness, your preparedness. And we send you with our blessing and our support. Father, we present to you this family. How early on Dan would meet a foreigner someone from Bermuda and you would link their hearts and you would give them a worldwide vision a deep love for each other that would bear children and couldn't so you gave them Oregon two boys and you rescued Guatemala You are not done. This is not the last. We present them to you. We thank you for them. Thank you for loaning them to us. We don't deserve them. May we have been found faithful serving you well by serving them well, being a part of those ten necessary years to prepare for what they do next. We thank you for the words adventure, and security that you've given to Alona in her quiet time. Thank you for Psalm 91. We trust you. We trust Dan and Alona to you. We thank you. And we count it high privilege to be your children because we believe your promise that we will spend eternity with you because you provided the way.
and we believe you. And we place our faith and trust in you. For this message, we pray that the doors will just swing widely open, not only to South America, uh, but to regions not yet imagined. We know that this one church and this one family can't do it all, but apparently Liberia matters to you, and here we stand. We worship you, we praise you, and we send your servants at your bidding. In the name of the one whose back had to look way worse than Paul's. In the name of the one that you said is your son, your gift to us, your love gift to us. We do this in the name of Jesus the Lord. Amen.